Well, good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Um, so we're going to continue in our series, Beyond the Natural. And uh, I was thinking about this phrase, and, and I don't know uh, how much it applies uh, here. I know when, when I was a kid, um, if someone said, uh, while we were in school, I'll see you at 3 o'clock. Oh, obviously, Ruthie is from my neighborhood. <laughs> I see you at 3 o'clock doesn't usually mean a good thing. I, I, I'll see you at 3 o'clock mean it's on, right? Uh, there, there's going to be a confrontation, uh, and, and that usually means physical. And, and depending on uh, who says that to you, uh, it could be problematic, you know, uh, as soon as we hear that, we think about uh, who, who our opponent is. And not only who our opponent is, we also think about who's with us, right? Uh, one of the things that uh, we know when they say, I'll see you at 3 o'clock, um, there's usually not going to be you and one other person. There's, there's, there's going to be a crowd. Um, people are going to kind of like take sides, uh, and you have to uh, think through all of that stuff when you're about to walk out, right? And, and usually school, uh, the clock ticks real slow. But in a situation like that, 3 o'clock comes real quick. <laughs> Today we're going to be um, speaking a message about God and his angels, in his title, he gives angels orders concerning you. He gives angels orders concerning you. You are, are not alone in all that we, we go through. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Job and uh, the things that Job had to face and the demonic influences that came into his life and, and disrupted him, but God um, was in control of that whole situation. But uh, other than there being fallen angels, there are also angels that are holy angels that are faithful to God, that God gives charge over us. And that's a good thing to know. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are in control of every situation. We thank you, Lord, uh, that even as believers, we are, are not void of the troubles of this world. Um, we have an enemy um, that says, I'll see you at 3 o'clock, but, but you're bigger than that enemy. Um, you are the creator of all things, and he's a created being. Um, you are uh, the one that he has to answer to, Lord. And you have an army of heavenly hosts, Father, that you use um, for your glory that you use to uh, move your purposes forward, Lord. And us being your children are covered under that umbrella, Lord. So we thank you for that, that anything we face, that we can be assured that not only are you there, and that is all we need, but even the way you use us in your purposes and plans, you also use angels, Father, to do your bidding, Lord. So as we seek uh, to know you better and understand all that you're doing, Father, 
Open up our understanding, our eyes, Lord, our ears to hear and building our confidence in the God that we serve. So no matter what we go through, that we can go through it with joy, knowing that you are in complete control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to be reading starting at verse um, 26, uh, 36. And I'm reading out of the CSB. And the word of God says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, Sit here a while while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. So in this uh, situation, we see that Jesus, uh, we know uh, he goes to the garden and he's about to uh, be um, betrayed by Judas. And he goes to this place that he often goes to, and he tells the guys that he are with, uh, be here, stay right here, and pray with me. And then he takes part of his inner circle a little further along and says, stay here and, and pray. He is actually inviting them into engaging spiritual warfare with him. He... he positions the guys that he's closer to a little closer to the to the fight and and uh he says he goes on a little further and it says he fell down he fell face down and prayed my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me yet not as i will but as you will and and luke uh in the Gospel of Luke, they, they give a little bit more detail. And it says, Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And one of the things that we notice here is God in heaven even sends an angel to strengthen Jesus in this time. Uh, he doesn't just, just leave him alone, uh, but he, he, he sends him some reinforcements. Going back to the text, it says, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's, he's, he's saying to, to them, listen, I, I am not fighting alone. Usually when you're engaged uh, in a fight, those are associated with you end up having trouble as well. And he's saying, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter temptation. And it says again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. 
And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs were with him from the chief priests and elders of the people. What's interesting about this is it is so obvious that although Judas was with Jesus for three years, watching him perform all kind of miracles, watching him calm the seas and stop the wind, that he would think that he could get enough people and enough weapons to go and fight God and go and fight Jesus himself. It, it, it gives us a clear indication that he didn't understand who God was at all. He, he didn't understand that Jesus could not be defeated. And he certainly could not be defeated with any natural means. Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. Then Jesus told them, I am he. They stepped back and fell to the ground. So, so they're coming with a mob, they're coming with clubs, they're coming with swords. But Jesus saying, I am he, which is a name of God, I am. They fall to the ground. It says that his betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So immediately they went to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. You know, we, we are an affectionate church. We love to hug here uh, and embrace one another. Matter of fact, during COVID, that was problematic for us. You know, some people um, just uh, wave or say hello, but we're an affectionate church, and um, we're always hugging and, and kissing, and, and thank God uh, that we remain safe um, throughout uh, this ordeal, but Judas is using a kiss as a weapon, um, it not as a, a sign of, of affection, and, and at times, uh, the ones that uh, will try to betray you are, are ones that, that can be close to you. And, and Jesus, after he kisses him, says, friend, Jesus asked him, why have you come? Now, we know that Jesus knows all things. He's still calling him friend. And then they came up, took hold of Jesus and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's servants and cut off his ear. So, so Jesus had invited his disciples into the fight. He, he told them, listen, come here. He took his inner circle, come a little further. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to 
pray. Stay awake and pray. That, that was the battleground. That, that was where the fighting was to take place. But instead, they weren't able to do that. And one of them figures he's going to take uh, matters into his own hands, that he is going to be physical and tries to kill one of the servants that were coming to arrest Jesus and slices his ear. Um, so he missed. <laughs> I don't think that's what he was aiming for. But what we have to understand is there is a way to engage in the fight. There is a way to fight. And our fighting is done on our knees. Um, we, we cannot try to fight our battles in the physical realm. It's it, it just not what the Christian is called to do. We actually waste a lot of time engaging in things that are spiritually motivated and we try to fight them in the natural. We try to solve the problem in the natural. Our first inclination when something happens is, uh, let me see how I can fix this. Where our first inclination should be to go to God. Our first inclination should be to see um, what's behind the physical thing that is taking place. And we've been reading this in the last couple of weeks. That's why it says in Ephesians 6 and 12, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. As we spoke about with Job, he was not privy to the conversation that was taking place in heaven. All he knows is it started with the Sabaeans coming and attacking and taking away his stuff, but they weren't the driving force. They were used as a tool. And our weapons of warfare are, are not carnal. So when they were invited to, to, to fight, they didn't fight. And then when uh, the physical part of what was going on took place, uh, someone swings a sword and, and, and misses. And then Jesus told him, put your sword back in its place because all who have taken up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call my father and he will provide me here and now more than 12 legions of angels? A, a legion is, is 6,000 soldiers. So... 12 legions is 72,000 angels. Jesus said, if I, if I wanted to, all I have to do is appeal to my father and call angels down right now, this very moment, and they'd take care of the situation. We already saw that Jesus did not need anyone to defend him by him saying, I am he. Those that came fell to the ground. After you fall to the ground by hearing someone proclaiming who they are, how do you even get up and think to put your hands on him to lead him away anywhere? But he makes it clear. If I wanted to, I, I wouldn't even have to fight my own battle. I, I, I could just 
call my, my guys and say, take care of my light work. Right? Uh, so, so, you know, when, when I was, um, when I was a, a little younger and, and felt a little bit more confident of what I could physically do, I would mess, like, even with some of the guys here, physically, push them around, things like that. And um, as I got a, a little bit more uh, older and I got uh, waking up where I feel everything and they got bigger, uh, I, I changed my philosophy. And now they, they come and they, they, hey, old man, and, you know, they push me over in the corner. And, and now I say, listen, maybe you could beat me now. But now I just happen to have security. <laughs> so um, Jesus is, is saying, listen, that's not the way we fight. We, we already engaged in fight when, when I was praying where blood was dropping from my forehead as, as if it was sweat. That's where the battle is. But I have angels to take care of that if I wanted to. And it says that at that time, Jesus said to the crowd, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I used to sit teaching in the temple, and you didn't arrest me. But all this happened so that the writing of the prophets would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. A couple of things there. Um, the people and what you're relying on may not be there when you need it. Good, good thing that that wasn't what that Jesus relied on. Matter of fact, he was ready to go through what he came to earth to perform. He said, am I not to face what God has called me to? And although he had all of these angels at his disposal, although he could call on the Father, although by his name all his enemies fall down, he was willing for us to go through what he was about to face. But as I, I read this story, I was just thinking about angels and how they were an intricate part of everything in Jesus' life. Right from the beginning, you see the activity of angels. Um, we see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. But in Jesus' life specifically, we see right from the beginning that Gabriel comes to Mary and says that she is going to have a child, and he tells her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And, and when she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit uh, and tries to explain that to the one she's engaged to, it was an angel who would have to come and, and speak to him, right? Uh, listen, uh, that's right. An angel has, would have to come and speak to me about that situation, right? And, and, and with him also, 
Uh, but uh, God, God did that and uh, spoke to him in a dream to let him know that uh, your wife Mary uh, will conceive from the Holy Spirit. And, and when, when Jesus was born, there was a, a party. There was a party, and we read this at Christmas time in Luke chapter 2, where the shepherds are out in the field. And it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But an angel said to them, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. A Savior is born. Born. So even the announcement of Jesus coming was done by angels. And then we see angels when Jesus goes into his temptation in the wilderness after he's, he's baptized and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And it says after the temptation that the angels came and served him. Now we get to a point where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, a coming uh, to his father before he goes to the cross. And an angel comes to strengthen him. And an angel is even, uh, they even he even says, if I needed more assistance from an angel, the angel would be there. And then we see angels at the empty tomb. Angels are there proclaiming, why are you looking for the living among the dead? It was an angel who rolled the stone away. We see even angels at Jesus' ascension, right? They're gazing up into the sky as Jesus is leaving. He says, what are you Gazing up into the sky for the same way that he left, he will return. And the Bible is very clear that when he returns, he's returning with his army. He is returning with his heavenly hosts in all their glory. Angels are just not there for Jesus because Jesus is, is God. But angels were there throughout the Bible. We see in the New Testament when Peter or Paul needed to be rescued from prison, angels were used. And when we just think about what, what are angels, what, what are they for? Like, why are we even speaking about this? It is because there are so many things that happen in the spiritual realm that we treat as if it doesn't exist. We, we treat it as if like, yeah, all of that is in the Bible, but that has no effect on my everyday life. Well, there's a lot of things in our everyday life that you don't see that has a great effect on you. There is a spiritual battle going on all around you all the time. There are things that are happening and there it, angels and getting on that topic and demons is either people give far too much credit or 
they act like they don't exist at all. We, we don't uh, see angels uh, on a regular basis and things like that because God doesn't need us to see that. Matter of fact, we would be tempted to worship angels if we were to see them. Even uh, John in the Revelation, when an angel appeared to him, he wanted to bow down and worship him. And the angel said to him, don't do that. I am a fellow servant. But angels are part of God's created order. And they are there to worship God. That is one of their primary um, tasks. We see that in um, the book of um, in, 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 we see that in, in the book of Isaiah, right? In, in chapter six, where the angels are there when we see a vision of the throne room, and they're yelling back and forth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. We know that angels are messengers. That's actually what the word angel means. They are also there to execute God's judgment. We see that in Revelation chapter 8, that um, when things start happening in the end. It'll be his angels that execute much of the judgment and has done that in the past as well. Angels are also there to protect us. It says in Psalm 91:11, for he will give his angels charge, his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. Angels are also there as a force to fight. It says that a war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels also fought, but they could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out. One of the things we have to understand about angels, though, is that they are, uh, they cannot be redeemed. Angels made their choice um, when there was a fight in heaven and some of them left with Satan and others remained there. And when we think about redemption, how each and every one of us has gone astray, but God made a way for us to be Redeemed. We see that story unfolding in the, in the garden, knowing that Jesus was about to go to the cross to pay a price for us. Angels are not in that situation. It says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains and utter darkness to be kept for judgment. So, Although they are intelligent beings, although um, they have a, a moral uh, system uh, as we do when they fell, God chose not to redeem them. We are very different from the angels in that we are the only creature of God that is created in his image. That is a beautiful thing and something that we need to recognize. The Bible says that 
when one sinner repents, that there is joy in the presence of God with the angels. The Bible also says that there's going to come a day that we will judge angels. That, that, is, that is something to think about of where God has placed his redeemed people and the love that he has for us and the things that he has in store for us. So we talk about this subject this morning because we need to be aware of all the different components that affect our lives, all the things that are going on. Because if we are praying and we're praying about something that ties into a symptom instead of the problem, we're praying for the wrong thing. When, that would just be like trying to chop off an ear when you're swinging for the head, but that wasn't the problem. That was, that was a symptom. And even recognizing that a lot of things that we want to fight, we're not even supposed to be fighting. Because Jesus said, hey, I could stop this if I wanted to, but this is supposed to play out. This is supposed to happen. Well, none of that was good. No one could see from that vantage point other than Jesus that this is what's going to happen, although he told them. So even in our own lives, we face these different things that we fight tooth and nail not to go through. But God allowed it. God in his providential care God and his sovereignty is in control of every single thing, even to the degree that he has angels going out, protecting you and keeping you from the demonic forces and things that are going on around you. I remember one time driving in the car and I was with uh, Jesse and we had a Toyota Supra and we're driving on the BQE and a truck was in front of us and had a huge pump on it, maybe the size of eight of these chairs. And this thing just fell off the back of the truck. And we were like right in back of this truck. There's no like getting out of the way. It's This is going to be bad. And the momentum of it just like coming out at us and it just made a left turn. It just made a left turn. And, and, and when we see something like that and we see God's hand of protection, there was no swerve in it. I, I consider myself a, a decent driver. We weren't in an SUV. We were in a Toyota Supra. That would have been a wrap. So often, God is taking care of us and making sure that we are cared for. He is so detailed. He so loves us. So the things that we do experience, just like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago with Job, some of those things he calls us to fight. 
to press through. Other things, we have to always petition God. What do I do in this situation? What do I do in this circumstance? What are you teaching me? How are you stretching me? How are you growing me? So often, we are so involved in self-preservation that we're just like, I have to get this to stop, no matter what it is. And often, that is not the best answer. You can come up, worship team. It says in 1 Peter Chapter 1, starting at verse 10. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They are wondering what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that their message was not for them, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. In, in, in other words, has God unfolded his plan of salvation for you? Those engaged in it, the prophets and those before you, laying down some of this groundwork as God chose to use them, didn't even understand what was going on in God's marvelous plan for you. Even the angels aren't privy to that information as God sends them out on assignment, as he watches his redeemed people through history and God doing a work through his church. They sit back in awe, wondering, how is all of this going to unfold? But knowing that there is our God, who knows the beginning from the end, the one who puts all of these things in order, the one that's in our tomorrows, the one that has all wisdom, the one that loves us, the one that keeps us, the one that monitors what can step into your life and what can't, the one that puts angels on assignment and what to do and surround you with how to protect you when we're praying for a hedge of protection. So even the things that we face, we can face with joy knowing that God is doing something in it. Just like Jesus, having a multitude of angels in every part of his ministry, but still going to the cross, because it was for our benefit and it was part of God's plan and all of those things that we encounter in life, hearing about the loss of life, going through troubles, going through sorrows, things in our body, but knowing that God 
is in control of every part of it and it's so detailed. That should give us a great confidence even to the point that we can partake in communion. Recognizing the salvation that we have and the price paid and doing this often so we would remember what God has done, the price that he has paid. And it is a time for us to sit down together and reflect on God's goodness and give us uh, assurance. Because what happens is the things that we face every day sometimes make us shaky. But this is the time where we come back and say, no, 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 no. Like we sang earlier, like Heather spoke earlier, what can separate us from the love of God? And when we come to his table, is a time where we recognize nothing can separate us from the love of God. Before we engage in communion, let's spend a time of reflection. Communion is for the believer. Uh, it's not to be entered in lightly. It is for us to come clean, to be transparent, to get things right. If you need a communion cup and you don't have one, please raise your hand. The ushers will give it to you. But let's, as we listen to this song, think about our Lord and Savior, the depth and intimacy of our relationship, the price that he paid. Let's spend some time in his presence and then we'll partake together. Amen.
sacrifice, Lord, that you paid, that we can sit here at your table, redeemed of the Lord, your children, oh God. Think about, remember what you've done, and then to even recognize that we've only engaged a part of that salvation that there is so much more in its fullness and what we have as a down payment, the Holy Spirit, our eyes being open to know that it's going to even be further open, that we are going to be with you in your presence. Thank you, oh God. Oh, what a hope we have in heaven. Oh, so sweet what you've already done, Lord. And we thank you that you use us, Lord, as your holy vessel to be salt and light in a dark world. Oh, God, you are so wonderful. We sit and reflect and Consider these things before we engage in communion because God's word says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. We thank you, Lord, that we can come clean with you. You know everything about us, O oh God, and that you invite us, your children, to partake at your table. The word of God says, for I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Please stand while I pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that you have filled your people with your spirit, Lord, that you have called us to be the church, Lord, a beacon of light in this dark world, Lord, that you have called us to this task individually and corporately, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there are heavenly hosts that you use in this whole process to keep and protect us, Lord. We know all we need is a word from you and we are protected. But in your wisdom, you have chosen to use angels. In your wisdom, you have chosen to use us as part of your plan of reaching others. Thank you, Lord, what an honor. Those who were enemies, you have pulled close, called us, Lord, your people, and sent us out. Let us be overjoyed knowing that we are protected, that we are kept, that our hope is in you for all things, and we see your hand day by day keeping us and continually working in our lives. And as we always read, what a great confidence that we can be certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's coming back, church. Yes. And he's coming back for a church that is spotless. And we are his church. Let's give God a hand clap. Be blessed. Let's meet together.
in the lodge. God bless you. Have a beautiful week.